ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Brian. David Marshall. Hello, Michael J. Flores. Welcome back from Australia. I was also in Portland. The team that I hope wins the Olympic gold medal. Why would you root for Australia? Australia was lovely. But, like, why would you want them to win the gold medal? Because Zella Vadova. What about Kyrie Irving? Also a Cavalier. Yeah. Um, And and there's no Australian Knicks on the team. So the U.S. team winning would bring bring us both joy. Like Bogut's on this team, He's right? He's not a Nick. Well, no, he was like it. Like the the Australian team is just like the. I was gonna say the Pro Tour Finals, right? <laughs> it's Lucas Blowon versus <laughs> Owen Turnbull. Um, no, because like, I think it's just like lame that the U.S. is carting out these like third string all stars and like calling that like the gold medal championship team. It's just like. I, I, I haven't had a chance to... Are you to... just protesting no LeBron? No. I mean, it's not just that. Like, LeBron... Dude, I don't want LeBron to play a single extraneous minute of basketball. <laughs> it's not that. But it's just like... I was, I was watching... I was, like, texting back and forth with Marshall during the Argentina game. Yeah. And, like, U.S. is up by 20. And, like, Marshall's just like, oh, no. Lucas Scola, with down by 20 in the final minutes of a game, would make any GM regret sending his star player to go play in the Olympics. <laughs> So, like, I was just watching a game, I think, last week. But God, Kyle Lowry just, like, refused to play defense. He just, like, stood near the top of the, the arc. And then, like, his man just, like, runs around the key. And then he just, like, hopes DeAndre Jordan catches him near the basket. Like, which he does, like, I, I guess half the time. But it, it's just, he just didn't care. Like, and he's just, like, just standing there and not playing defense. And then I was just, like... Why are there so many Raptors on this team? This isn't a Canadian team. And I don't think it works that way, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and then let's just, like, just poopy guys. Like, And then they don't... DeAndre doesn't even seem to be playing that much for my my version of the eye test. They've got some good players. But there's, like, all these just, like, rando, not that great, like... They could just be trotting out a lineup that's just, like, Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Boogie Cousins... Carmelo Anthony. Whatever, Carmelo Anthony's probably the second best player on the team in terms of just performance. Like, how come when I... He's been playing great. When I look up, how come it's never, like, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan? How come that's not the guys when I look up? I don't know. I'm not going to argue with Coach K. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I just think that they're just, like, trying to cruise this. I would just love to see a scrappy Australian I mean, there's probably probably some concession to the GMs to not put, like, undue minutes on their guys, right? Well, it's like this. The United States is so rich with gold medals. Except the one that I'm mad about is obviously Kerry Walsh not winning the gold medal. But, but like, whatever. Phelps got another nine or something this time. It's only five, right? But, like, if the U.S. wins the gold medal in basketball every single time and it's rote, it's not even fun. I mean, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's like cheering for the Yankees, Brian. I don't cheer for the Yankees, though, so I get to cheer for, like, I get to have my one sort of moment of cheering for the Yankees by cheering for Team USA. I mean, I just think the fact that they're just... I'm not going to be upset if Australia wins or if Serbia wins or... Well, Serbia's not going to win. They don't have (laughs) Zelda. But, like, you know, I'm I'm certainly 
I'm certainly rooting for Team USA. Certainly rooting for Scrappy Mello as he's been in this entire tournament. Well, um... Speaking of tournaments, you, you won a tournament. Oh, you talked about it already without me, though, right? I did. Yeah, you were gone forever. I was. You started a new podcast while I, I was I've done two episodes. While I was gone. Uh, is the second one up? I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, oh. they went up today. I didn't see it. Well, it went on up today. I yeah. Uh, so you're doing a new podcast called Top 8 Magic, The Decks to Beat. Yeah. Which is, uh, I guess, based on your, on your uh, oral history of the Magic Dojo. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it was like, I was talking to Frank Kusumoto about the dojo, and he was talking about, you know, that section, the decks to beat, which yeah. is like what we all relied upon as any kind of inkling of the metagame. You didn't just have this kind of knowledge of what was going on in Magic the same way we do now with just well, tournament just, results every week. And, and there's like 20 articles a day. And 20 articles, yeah. And then you would just kind of like, you would cull through this section of the webpage called the, I mean, you know, called the Decks to Beat, and you no, would just no, like, okay. I remember curating the Decks to Beat. I'm like, which version of Hatred will we call representative for the month of July? But, uh, so, I mean, I was just thinking about it, and it's like, I just have really wanted to do something that was more magic forward, like, just like, focused on magic and really talking about, like, just those, like, I'm fascinated by those subtle changes week to week. And uh, and I've always wanted to work with Gabe on something, so well, it seems pretty good. I even also remember you used to write Swimming with Sharks before I wrote Swimming with Sharks, right? Yeah. I remember when you had the column, and then you took... Uh, who was writing the week that... What was the week that was called at the time? Uh, I don't remember what it was called. Alex Schwartzman? I think it might have been Schwartzman. So you took that column, then I took your column. And I remember you said... The way that this column works is like it's just about the decks, right? It's not like really about your opinion of the decks. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I didn't make it about my opinion of the decks anyway. Um, yeah, I, I only listened to the first episode, but I thought it was great. Uh, are you guys talking about standard? All standard? Yeah, we're we're going to talk about modern. We, we, there's an open invitation on the new episode for you to come out and talk about modern with us. Oh, yeah? Wow. I, can, I, can, I have an open <laughs> invitation to appear on a podcast <laughs> called Top 8 Magic. Wow. <laughs> I feel so honored. But I was just going to say, I think that, probably folks, I'm like, it's interesting the way we've skewed our thought processes over the course of the last couple of years. I think it's largely because of the advent of, you know, the Star City Opens are just kind of like this fake pro tour that happens to be on TV every week, right? Right. But if this, if we had been doing this project 10 years ago, which is before the Star City Tour um, appeared, you would by default be talking about modern that's the ptq format right that's that's actually the what, what what i was thinking about you know like standard is like there's always standard but it's not the relevant format all the time sure i mean standard's relevant right has been relevant right now i mean we're certainly going to talk about modern i think before the wmcq uh when's the date on that I think it's two weeks from now. I'm not sure. Two weeks from no, it can't be while I'm in Hawaii. No, maybe it's three weeks from now. Better I'll jump off a bridge. I'm fine planning it. I think it's two weeks from now that we're talking about. I don't remember now. Should I change my sleeves for that one? I just don't. Same, <laughs> same 75, same ratty sleeves. I played those sleeves in two tournaments. I didn't change them after the first tournament. I was like, you should probably change your sleeves. Yeah, I think probably should change my sleeves. They're Channel Fireball sleeves. I I <laughs> I saw this funny comment. It was a picture of. Andy Boswell playing and he had channel fireball sleeves and it was just like rights for gathering magic on team I don't know what the heck team he's on right playing the Star City Tour channel fireball sleeves <laughs> he's on like team some kind of other store though right that's not oh is he on team like Kerwin Games or no he's on 
I don't know the name of the team. I don't, I don't know any of those teams, so. Um, but I think it, so- it sounds like a Pint. store or something. <laughs> Sorry, boss. I don't know the name of your team. It's like on the team with, like, Chris Anderson. You know the team? Sure. Is that MGG or something? I, it sounds like a store to me. All right. I don't know what it is. Is it um, on Travis Wu's team? I don't think so. <laughs> Who's on Travis Wu's team? Just the Wu Nation. It's like yeah, like tra- Travis has like it's like MTG Masterminds or something. Yeah, it's it's a little you know culty. I knew that was the word you were. I thought you might say cultish. Cultish, yeah. Travis seems so excited to be in the top eight. Yeah. Like, it, everyone else just like got this glum look on their face. Oh, I made top eight of a pro tour. Travis was like popping out of his basketball sneakers yeah. in the back row there. Yeah. That's right. What do you think of that deck? Travis's deck. Yeah, I mean it's obviously like built off of Lucas's. Deck I mean, with the Gideon's main, which I, is what he had suggested. I think it's like a good deck-ish, but like kind of bad. It's a pretty also. bad Liliana deck. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like <laughs> Liliana's the Liliana's the breakout card. It's hard to say because that was already like the second best strategy for like the last six months. But like now, you know, it's a pro tour winning strategy. But the reason it's so good is because of Liliana, and Liliana is the reason that Lucas played all those creatures. And some of those creatures are pretty rando, right? right. Like, I mean, I guess Kalitas is pretty good because it kind of messes with, um, uh, like, Emrakul a little bit, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it messes with Emerge guys a little bit, like, not that much, but at least a little bit. Yeah. But like, you know, like, art. Archangel Avison's kind of like rando in that deck. It's like this, <laughs> like the clunkiest threats. <laughs> So from one perspective, I like Travis's strategy because I think the Gideons are just better in that deck. Well, that, like, that was that was actually so when Lucas won the Pro Tour, he actually said he would have moved some of the languishes, yeah. and I forget maybe one of the Avisons or something or some mix to the sideboard to, the sideboard to Which put is the Gideons main. What, what what Travis ended up playing? But, tra- right? but Travis's big innovation is the Oath of Goliath. I think that the uh, thing that is. Well, first of all, it's very powerful in a deck with, like, 400 planes. Yeah, yeah, he has 11 planeswalkers. It was awesome. Uh, but I think that the best card in Travis deck, you know, is two languages main, if I recall. This is the Top 8 Magic Podcast. We can't look things up. Yeah. But it's just my recollection. I think he only has two languages main, but he has main deck and sideboard planar outburst. Planar outburst is the tits. Like, the number of times you cast Emrakul, and then you take the dude's turn, and then you look at their hand, and they have planar outburst, and you're like... Yo, I'm not gonna win. I just emerald him, and I'm actually just gonna be on the wrong end of this in a second. It's just, it's just a good card in the format right yeah. now. I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, Luis and those guys were saying the same thing about subjugator. Is, like is that like a a Tesla minivan or something? I don't know. Well, it's a Tesla, but it looked like a Tesla like minivan. Like a like a like a Tesla that a soccer mom would drive. Nothing against soccer moms. I'm just yeah, saying. All, all cars look exactly the same to me. No. Have you ever ridden in a Tesla? No. It's, it's different. Yeah. It's like riding in a spaceship. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you were saying. I was saying uh, that it's the same thing uh, Luis was saying about. Uh, Subjugator Angel on the sideboard of Bant. Yeah. Like, you know, they take your turn with Emrakul and they see a Subjugator Angel and they're like, well. Oh, well. I guess I'd better try to kill as many of his creatures right now as possible. I can kill two. <laughs> like, so. It's, uh, yeah, I thought Travis is. So, I actually, I didn't get a chance to watch the Grand Prix Finals. People were saying that Travis should have cast. Uh, uh, Grasp of Darkness no, on the, Pilgrim's Eye? B1, look at your hand. 
Oh, cards. transgress the mind. I, I can't. Well, I don't know why I can never remember the name of that card. Yeah. I, it's in like seventy-five percent of my decks. I yeah, can't remember yeah. the name of it. Oh, well, but he didn't cast. Because you think of it as B one. Look at your hand. Yeah. That's exa- That's the card name to you. Yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah, it was actually funny. You're like standard subset B one. Look at your hand. <laughs> I, I, I actually, now that you say, I think that that's actually right. Uh, uh, at a Grand Prix like two or three years ago, Patrick Sullivan said to me. Because we were talking, I think we were actually talking about modern, and you had had an idea which about like rotating the ma- the modern band list so that the format keeps freshening. I thought it was kind of a cool idea. And he said that magic is a purely intellectual exercise to me, and I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he's just like, you just don't care about card availability. You just like play. I'm like, yeah, that's just that's how you do it. But like, he's like, no, a real person probably only owns one modern deck, right? right. If you like rotate like all of these things, that you're going to be messing with their collection. Um, so actually, that that's a funny story about why I end up. What's well, the joy of the rotation? Is you get to rotate back. <laughs> so, I like months ago I had read this article on Channel Fireball by Paul Rietzel about blue red, blue moon, with yeah. like um, Goblin Dark Dwellers, and I'm like, yeah, this oh is, yeah, you're in. Yeah, this, I'm in. Like, oh, Goblin Dark Dwellers, Ancestral Vision, I'm in. Done. So it's like, I own almost all these cards. The only cards I didn't own were like two Ancestral Vision. I figured I'd probably bum them before I had to play in a modern tournament. But my kids were away uh, visiting their grandparents two weekends ago. So I was just, I went to Kibler Google. I'm like, Kibler Google, is, when, when are there PPCQs? There were two in New York, so. Um, Where were they? One was in Brooklyn, a place called Wasteland Games. I'd never been before. Oh, I've never been there. Where is it? Uh, in Brooklyn. I don't know. Uh, what part? I don't Were there know. handlebar mustaches? No. I think Were there like big front wheeled bicycles I think and people in straw hats? I think it's like a few blocks away from Alex's store in like a Chinese neighborhood, I want to say. Oh, is it Chris Neck's store? The guy who owns it is Chinese. Is Chris Neck Chinese? No, he is not. Okay, so uh, it was like a very, very ethnic neighborhood. It was like a small, very clean, nice store with like a fe- what seemed like a fiercely tight and loyal oh, uh, cool. Uh, but like not that big like the, you know the, maybe they could put 24 people in, yeah, the, yeah. in the tournament it would have been pretty tight uh, so that I, I ninth on breakers on the first day and then the second day I, it was at Montessi in Queens but the co- ceiling collapsed at Montessi in oh, Queens oh no they're like alright we'll refund everybody and I said no you won't you have another store right and they're like well no but that's not supposed to be a location I'm just like this is not acceptable and they're like no we'll, we'll, we'll refund you and I was just like Yo, yo! I have a weekend. Raise off. your hands if you want to play magic. And people are like, "Yeah, I'll go to the other store." And some people are like, "I don't really want to go to the store." I'm like, Did you just go to hell, you? <laughs> but um, I remember Dennis Sow from the old days. I mean, Den- Dennis Sow with Sarah Angel, uh, like red, red, white Sarah Angel, the Grudge Match Two Final. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dennis Sow. Dennis Sow. When I when I won with Napster, I guess I lost to Cheyenne Bhattacharya in the top four, but. Uh, I lost one game in the Swiss. It was to Dennis Sow with White Weenie. Dennis Sow's freaking invincible. So the whole day, so I'm like winning, winning, winning. He was playing humans, obviously. Dennis Sow luck sacks into the top eight in eighth with two losses, right? And I'm like, oh, F me. I'm going to be first. Dennis Sow's going to be eighth. It's going to be the end of it. But no, somebody was forced to play in the last round, so I was in second. Nice. nice. And then he took out Dennis Sow in the round. Of, I would have definitely lost to Dennis. What was Dennis playing? 
I looked over at one of his matches at one point, and there was a birds and forge tender in play. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's just oh, he's probably playing soul sister. There's just no way I'm gonna beat a guy with the birds and forge tender in his deck, right? No, he's playing green white Eldrazi. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a it was a pretty good turn. I only lost, so I I went twelve and two in games, uh, and my fir- I lost the first game of the tournament playing. Uh, Naya Burn Mirror. I think my, my list was better, but that's beside the point. But um, but then I lost a game in the top eight. But I had lethal, but I had two Eidolons in play, and I just kind of didn't want to cast my Lava Spike. I was like, I knew I'd end up trading one of the Eidolons in combat. And then so I was just like, I didn't really want to cast my Lava Spike pre-combat because then I would take eight. And I just didn't really think think it all through because if he casts anything like an Abrupt Decay or something, he's just dead, right? Yeah. So then I've left him on one. And then, so I'm just like, all right, even if I leave him on one, like his Tarmogoyfs, he has two Tarmogoyfs, which is like one of the main ways your burn deck can lose. But I'm like, I, I will only lose to Rhino, but he can only have an untapped land that doesn't cause him pain because he's at one. And he that and he misses land off the previous turn. Then he ripped Gavany Township that turn. I'm just, but I deserve to lose, sure. right? But that, that's just not a hard matchup, and so I won the next two. Uh, uh, yeah, I only, so I went 12 and 2 games. And it's like, I think the Naya Burn deck is just. It's just so much better than pretty much every other deck you could play. So, the way. So, I was playing. I was planning to play. It's just this, the most redundant cards. Well, I'll tell you why. So, I was planning to play this blue red blue moon deck, right? Like, I'll see. Yeah, I'll flashback Ancestral Vision. That's all good, right? Snapcaster Mage. All right. I don't. I can't imagine wanting to do anything else other than this. But then I was just like, ah. Uh, I have to give these last two ancestral visions. Okay. <laughs> Is it, do I really need Misty Rainforest? I don't have that. I don't have that card I have. Is, is, is what if Foothills? I don't even know. Okay, it's like, oh, it's right. And I'm just like thinking to myself, like, does it matter if I change this one fetch land? But that's not the fetch land that Paul has in his deck. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, what are the implications of not having this fetch? You know, like, and I'm just like, yo. I literally own every single card necessary to play a burn deck, so I just made a burn Which deck. Which I'm going to assume included wooded foothills. It did, yeah. So I just made a burn deck. I made like a 75 card burn deck. I sent it to Patrick Sullivan. He said, too many Grim Lava Mancers. So then I went from four Grim Lava Mancers to two, and then just put two Lightning Helixes in my deck. <laughs> then his second round, he said, take out three, I had, it's like six mountains or something. He's like, take out three mountains, add two more fetch lands, and a, and a, whatever the red white land the red white land sacred foundry yeah so i did that so then i was like 73 done then i did this podcast with osip and he told me that uh he told me that uh uh dredge had won the modern the modern classic at the same time he's winning the standard open three weeks ago and he's just like i'm like uh i i don't think that modern dredge deck seems very good like I feel like I would just beat someone who's playing it he's like yeah but they might have gnaw to the bone so I was just like so literally yeah they do huh yeah they do so the last thing I did was just to cut two of my searing bloods out of the sideboard and switch them to two skull cracks so like I literally like not literally but it was like functionally pretty close to just the first draft that I made I, I just like picked cards that I thought were good I was just like these are all cards that I played in legacy and then Plus Boros Charm and Atarkas Command. Um, so th- no, we talked about it on the phone. The deck sounded super sweet. So, like, I think that the main mistake people make. I, I looked at some other. I mean, other people make 
or played Naya decks are pretty close, right? Like the cards are somewhat self-evident. I think the biggest problem people have is they play Wild the Cattle, and I just can't imagine why you would ever want to do that. Like it's so bad. Like it's just shockingly bad to me. Like why would you want to do that? Like you're basically guaranteeing yourself that you're going to start off on two less life than you have to if you have <laughs> Wild the Cattle in your deck. And it's not even that good unless you have like a certain number of things line up. Right. So like it's just like a 2-2 two -two or something. You know, like, eh. It, which is fine. Like, a 2-2 two -two for one on turn one is, like, super, guess, okay. But it's just not exciting, and it causes you to take so much extra damage. But I think that the main... Like, I played against a lot of people who, like, played burn decks, played against burn decks, and played against quite a few aggressive zoo decks. But I think the difference between my level of success and people who didn't beat me were that they don't understand how to manage their mana. So I think most people who play these fetch land, um, like Ravnica dual mana bases, come from the Raphael Levy school of magic, which is that I just start every game at 14. And they're just like, <laughs> I'll start every game at 14. Isn't that the Conley Wood school? But it's really the Raphael Levy school. Like, I went, Raphael Levy was doing this before Conley Woods was in there. Yeah, I know, Conley just did it with guys. So, um, but I come from a hat, you know, not even like, you know, Three months before the invention of the Raphael Levy school, there was this Yoshi Vegeta school, which was that, you know, it's well, like... Well, fetch lands, eight lands... Yeah, like... That it, they can fetch. Yeah, but you don't have to take extra damage, right? You can fetch your basics, right? Right, right. And, like... And, and, well, and if you don't have Wild the Cattle, you can certainly fetch your yeah, basics. Yeah, or you just, like... So, I would do things like... I just sat and operated... Like, I left myself one game... I, I thought I played this game really, really well, even though I ended up losing it. I left myself... The, the one remaining Sacred Foundry in my deck is an out, right? Like, and I ended up drawing a fetch land, which was that if I had broken it, I would have been exactly zero, right? Because I would have had taken one for the fetch land and then the land comes into play on tap. But I left myself three life, so if I drew Sacred Foundry, I win the game, right? But I think people just don't even think about this kind of stuff, right? They're like, they're like, oh, I'm just gonna break this because that's what you do, you know, and I need to fuel my Lothmancer. But like, like they just don't think about in, in modern, the games are so fast. Like, every single game, somebody's back foot on the third turn. Or dead by the... Unopposed, every respectable deck can pretty much kill you on the fourth turn. I mean, maybe not like Blue White Angels, but like, almost every deck is just like, fourth turn, you didn't do anything, you're dead. Right? Third turn, maybe. Like, my deck has three different third turn kills. Jeez. And like, and it's not even a combo deck, right? So, like just small things like I retained one life point or I retained three life points that somebody else would have given up that's like letting your opponent draw a card so I, I was I was playing like just some fun games in between with a, a member of the Eurogreen national team on Saturday and he was just making he made, he made these plays and I was just like look I have an Eidolon in play you are on even life total okay an Eidolon I'm sorry you're on odd life total an Eidolon does even damage it does even damage by attacking and it does even damage with its trigger if you break your, if you break any fetch land unnecessarily, you will go from odd life total to even <laughs> life total. That's like I drew three cards, right? Like, if, as long as you are on odd life total, it's at least you have one more card, right? And you're just, you're just like, oh, I never thought about it like that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because because my Eidolon doesn't ever do one. It can, it doesn't ever do three. It only ever does two. It does two in different packets. But if you put it into a situation where it can do two and kill you. It's like you gave me a card, right? You don't want to give me a card. So, like, stuff like that, or, you know, land management. The one thing, I told P. Sully this after I won the tournament, was, like, the 
most important thing that I realized was any matchup that I could that I could justifiably side out a Tarkus command, I would. Yeah, we talked. You and I yeah. talked about this also. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Because like, it just means I get two more life points in the game. Because like, it, you know, you're not even obligated to cast a Tarkus command. But if you draw a Tarkus command and you draw Boros Charm in your opening hand, you kind of have to fetch for both colors. So what what would you see from your opponent that would make you go to that plan? Like, what's what's a game one look like where you're like. I'm getting these Atarka commands out of the deck. Okay, I, any burn deck, I would take the Atarkas commands out, which is interesting because some of my, my opponents sided, left in their Atarkas commands and sided in their skull cracks against me. Because I guess they're like, want to play their skull cracks against my, my lightning helixes, which were going to come in anyway. But like, and it just didn't seem like, it just didn't seem like the ability to deduce my lightning helix life points was worth taking two more points myself. You know, like that, because it's not like you heal, right? You just, stop them from healing but you know if you're dealing two to yourself like you're kind of helping them you know uh so if i had played against affinity i would have sided it out i didn't happen to play against affinity um they're like i, I probably would have sided it out against uh against infect right like yeah uh which might or might not be i guess like well, why, why would you want to side it out against like, what the infect? because like they might have, like if, if I, I think if Infect is Kitchen Finksing, you're probably not going to lose, right? Okay. Like, I mean, it's just too life. Like, you have so much overload damage. And what you really want is to maximize the number of, I think anyway, the number of cards in your deck that can interact with their small creatures. So, I don't know if you remember, we played in the TCG Player Championship like in 2010 or something. Yeah, yeah. And I was on Blue Green Infect before, yeah. you know, Tom Ross had never heard of it, but like... The one thing I noticed, I felt like I was invincible. That was still standard, though, right? Yeah. That was like Last Knife Barrier or whatever yeah. it was. But I felt like I was invincible to most most of the strategies. The two main strategies people were playing were Cobblade and Valka, and I did not lose a game to either one in that right, tournament. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the only kind of decks you would ever lose to were decks that were a combination of pressure and removal. Well, Naya Burn is a combination of pressure and removal. Like, well, you just want to be in a situation where all of your, all of your burn cards can burn their creatures. Literally every creature in their deck is 1-1. One, one except for the ones that are 0-1, that don't do any damage, right? So, like, if you just, you don't get to script what spells you draw, right? It's not a blue deck. So if like, I'm just gonna draw four spells, and if two of my spells are Atarkas commands, my, I might just die to a, a, hello, John Becker, consider yourself haunted. You might just die to an Ink Moth Nexus, right? Like, so I got, um, you know, but it, uh, that's actually a weird situation because you actually side in a different green card against them. You bring in Destructive Rivalry for sure, right? The, that deck has Spell Skites and uh, and uh, an Ink Moth Nexus. But I mean, other burn decks I would side it out. Um, uh, I, I, let me think. I don't know if I side it. I probably side it out against Jund. I don't remember. Um, I would side it out against Affinity, right? So. Which is another weird situation because you're bringing in destructive rivalry, but yeah. but like typically, typically any deck that I think that can just like oh, um, uh, Zudex, I set it out against Zudex. I played against a bunch of those. I I, I think that Naya Burn is the best because if you think about just go back to the philosophy of fire. You start with ten cards. Your average card does two. Opponent, I'm sorry. You start with seven cards. Your average card does two. Ten spells that your opponent said, right? In modern, your average opponent starts on between 14 and 17 life. And instead of two, your average spell does four. Right. Like, four... You actually have a lethal opening hand about 70... Not yet. Not. Okay. What? <laughs> she said it's pouring good. Okay. Uh, we'll come get it soon. Sean, Sean changed it up nicely. 
Uh, so you have like a lethal opening hand like 75% of the time or something. Right. Like they're literally dead to your opening hand if they if they don't if they don't do like two or three things correctly in the first three turns of the game. Like why would you want to pick a different deck that something could go wrong? Like I, I was like deathly afraid of this uh, ad nauseum deck that lost in the top four to another burn deck. And like because he has like Angel's Grace and Phyrexian on life and sides in um, Leyline of Sanctity and the game the, the deciding game of his match he had to use Simeon Spirit Guide blew up both of his uh, both of his uh, Gemstone Mines and blew up his like uh, what's the one that's like two for a Sunburst thing that's an artifact oh yeah 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 it's like Sunburst artifact and he just had only non-renewable sources of mana Right, if you're killing your opponent on the third turn with Phyrexian life, on life, it looks awesome. But that's just a thing that can't go wrong with my deck. We're gonna pause. And then yeah. Go get coffee. All right. Pause. All right. Unpause. We went in to get nitros, right? And while we're in the coffee shop to get the nitros, Brian's telling me how he had the best cup of coffee of his life in Sydney, right? I did. This is the silkiest cup of coffee. So we get it, and I get my nitro with no ice. He's just like, what is this no ice stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, here, let me taste that. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> this is just like the cup of coffee I had in Sydney. But it's close. It's not as good. Well. But it's super close. Yeah, but I, I think And that, then, I, then I proceeded to ask the barista yeah. that if they ever saw me ordering an iced coffee with ice in it again, yeah. that they could actually just pick just up any you. object in the store and hit me in the face yeah, with I it. Yeah, I think no ice is the stone nuts Yeah, tech. it was great. Um, all right, anyway. So, uh, modern. Uh, but the, yeah, so the thing is like, I don't even think that there's like that many clever things you can do in modern. Because, like, so do, you th do you think, Tybe, do you think Naya Burn is like the deck to beat in modern? Uh, I don't know. I actually haven't followed any of the tournament results. I think people see, I think people think that the best deck is Dredge. That's what I think. People, people are excited think. about Dredge for sure. But I could tell you, I ain't scared of somebody playing Dredge against me. Their cards all stink. And they're like, their whole plan is a, is a based around a card that I just have completely covered, right? Like, like once they're at the point where they could actually cast an interesting gnaw to the bone, I'll just leave up my Atarkas command slash Skullcrack and beat them in a fair game. Oh my god! You know what Bella says about Goblin God? Yeah. Uh, just like lets you play off. How Dad should let her play with them. So I'm attacking my opponent. He has like two mana in play. The Goblin God attacks. Goblin God misses and reveals Skullcrack. So then, like, oh, he has Skullcrack, right? So then, like, you know, past turn, he draws he draws Skullcrack, which I know. He doesn't make his third land drop. Fine. Um, so you go. So, like, I just do nothing, right? So I attack again. Like, untap, attack again. And then he's like, all right, end of your turn. Skullcrack. Because he's revealed the Skullcrack, right? So I'm like, Lightning Helix in response. They're just, like, saved it for the Skullcrack. Yeah. How freaking awesome is that? It's pretty good. And you're beating up our mana screwed opponent, but sure. I mean, two mana in play is just, that's just <laughs> fine for the burn decks. Right? You really want three because then you can cast like a one mana thing and a two mana thing. Yeah. Also, these are the tips I'd give you. The most important tip, any situation where you think you can side out as Arcus Command, you should. And then the second thing, and not because it's a great card, but like just to, to, you know, to untax your mana. And the second thing is to not sideboard out too many one casting cost things. Even with ice, this is really good. Yes, it's an excellent cup of coffee, oh Brian. It's just also very good with no ice. And so, yeah. uh, I think that the people have like a, like this like crazy 
desire to side out a bunch of one mana things because their the cyborg cards are so powerful in this deck. Like, look at the By cyborg. Way, yeah. They agreed to hit me in the face way too quickly in there. I would hit you in the face right now for no reason. Because <laughs> um, this seriously, the cyborg cards are awesome. Like destructive armory, awesome. Searing blood, awesome. You know, um, lightning helix, awesome. So you're like, oh, I'm gonna take a crappy lava spike or like. It's just the best cube deck ever. For right? crappy rift bolt, right? Like rift bolt's really bad. It's the only card that costs three. When it costs one, like. It's, it's like takes a turn off, you know? But if you side out too many one casting cost cards, you're slave to a position where you can only cast one card a turn. Right. Because like if you have three land in play and you have no one mana spells, you can only cast one card a turn. How do you how do you do against Chalice for one? I don't know. I didn't play against that. <laughs> I assume I would win because that's the kind of person I am. I didn't play against that. Okay. Um Oh man, you know what card's awesome? Deflecting palm. That's an interesting card. Yeah. I'm trying I, to remember exactly... It's R, R, W. Yeah. Instant. I remember the R. Cancel the damage of a source. It doesn't target. And then uh, it deals that much damage to a controller. So the fact that it doesn't target gives you what? Like if your opponent's like all in with like a, uh, like a gigantic poison guy, he can't finds the vast with it to hexproof it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's one. It's all. It's good in the mirror. It's good against other burn decks. It's good against like, I sided it in against like uh, Death Shadow Zoo. So like, and against regular Zoo, I just like got into a position where I'm just deuce with them. The deflecting palm is it? Is it still infect damage? No, because the deflecting palm deals the damage, not the yeah. creature. So um, you just get to a point where the Zoo player can't make any plays. He can't attack you anymore, right? Because like you're just killing them with the palm. You can't really block. It's like really, you know, it, it's weird because the game isn't over and the game isn't likely to be over immediately, right. but they can't take any actions. It's like, it's really interesting, right. right? So. They need to be playing like Dark Zoo and have like some kind of Inquisition. Well, no, like, like I, I was in the, literally in a situation where like my opponent thought sees me. Well, that deck wants a thought squeeze, sees not Inquisition because it actually wants to deal damage to itself. So he knows, he doesn't take a deflecting palm, he's like, take something else, like, to disrupt me, which is probably right at the time. I think he probably took, like, a Eidolon or something, which would have, it's super devastating for him. And he just, like, try, has to try to kill me before, you know, I get white. And then I have a deflecting palm, which he knows is in my hand. He's just like, I just can't take any actions. I can't attack, right? Can't really cast any of the spells in my hand, you know? So, uh, it's just really interesting how, how it steers the game. And it's just absurdly good against not careful infect players. Like if you're like the kind of infect guy who's just willing to come in, be like, I'll attack with my blighted agent, Pendlehaven it and get like a, a, a noble hierarch trigger. If you're that guy and you're just willing to like tick, tick, tick away five or so turns and like win a quiet little game like this with spell sky back, back up, more power to you. Most guys are like, oh, mind of old Prusa, all in, you know? And then they're dead. I, I want to make you play an Infect deck, and every time you play Might of Old Crusa, like, you got to hee haw it. Like, Might of Old Crusa. <laughs> Your best donkey. Take voice. 10. <laughs>
But I just love doing that stuff. Because that's part of the excitement of playing, in fact, is by, like, dumping your hand on turn It's three. the all-in, right? Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're splashing the pot. Like, well, especially, like, if you're playing against... If John you're playing Malkovich against, and Rounders, you're like... Yeah, if you're playing against a red deck, you're just like, open up with Might of Old Crosal, your guy gets plus four. It's now officially out of burn range, right, for this, for this stage of the game. Just dump the rest of your cards. All good. Mutagenic growth, here we are. Time for the big bigs. Attack for ten. Take ten. Oh. <laughs> Vines of the... No. No. Nah. wood is not interested. So, yeah, that card's real good. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm really excited because I'll just play the same 75. You know, I, I might change my stomping grounds. I accidentally played... I don't know why I own Ravnica and Return to Ravnica stomping grounds. Yeah. So I played Return to Ravnica stomping grounds. Will I jinx it if I switch to Ravnica stomping grounds? Uh, I think you have to ask that in the show notes. That's, that's, this is a toughie, right? I think you have to lead with that in the show notes, actually. Because I noticed that I had built my deck with Return to Ravnica, Stomping Grounds, but then I was too lazy to go into my binder and change them back out. But then when I took the picture of my deck and then put it up on Twitter, I was offended at the picture that it had Return to Ravnica, Stomping Grounds. Because people are like, oh, nice mountains. And I'm like, nice mountains have these freaking Return to Ravnica <laughs> stomping grounds. You're just like... Like a noob. Like right? Ravitz just got to get, get back at you for every barb you've ever given him. I was just like, I literally had like alternate art. Oh, here's the thing. I decided to play two Path to Exile and not three, and there's a very important reason for that. That's how many Path to Exile I won at FNM last year. <laughs> I don't own real Path to Exile. I only own alternate art oh, at sure. Path. So I have like alternate art Path to Exile, you know, foreign foreign beta basic or whatever you know like yeah. all, all the all the niceies return to Ravnica stomping grounds <laughs> so when I play the WMCQ I'm thinking like this is, like, is it a betrayal of the deck I mean like I guess I don't have all alternate art lightning heal because I only own one so I, yeah. you can't you have to play all cards that match right but, yeah, yeah so oh actually this is funny I'm playing like the 10th edition Lightning Bolt, which Brian Manalakos cannot stand every time I show him one of my decks. Yeah. He's just like, what is this aberrate? You know, it's so bad. But I don't own good Lightning Bolts. I only own, like, right. revised ones. Should I switch to revised Lightning Bolts? So, no. You know? should switch to, like, alpha or beta ones. I don't own that. I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying. I should invest in it. I guess invest. I play Lightning Bolts yeah. quite often. Yeah. So. You should invest. So, yeah, I, om I almost always play these, like, uh, Japanese Tempest Mountains that I have like a really good set of, but I just this time I decided to mix it up and play like uh, foreign revised I mean, or whatever. You could have played like truncated full art Zendikar lands. Yeah, I didn't. Do yeah, that. I don't. I try, the most I can, I try to play cards that other people don't have. That's like the that's what I like. If I if I if I'm my druthers, that's my preference. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think it's just like we're we're at a point in Magic where. There's so little you can do to make your deck your own. Sure. This is like one of the only ways that you can make your deck your own. Now, right? Like, I, I think my Naya Burn deck is better than other people's Naya Burn deck. Like, I don't have Wild in the Cattle. But it's, it's not, not but the great, you know. But that, it's not visually apparent. Yeah. But if you, it, this is, again, it's one of the few ways that you can, like, this is my deck. Yeah. What, uh, Switching gears for a second. Did you look at the Grixis Cat Pack deck at all from This Portland? is just the greatest deck of all time. <laughs> I was talking to Patrick Chapin about this. I said, this deck is just the most us deck ever. And he's just like, yeah, it's Grixis for me, and it has some stupid, cute combos <laughs> for you. And I'm like, 
That's correct. <laughs> Remember, I'm the original, let's just put two Splinter Twins in our, in our Grixis control deck. That's just how we'll run it for this tournament, you know? Like, you know, we'll just have two Pester Mites and two Splinter Twins and that'll be great, you know? Yes, I think it's just the greatest thing ever. I mean, it's basically, we talked about it when we were doing the previews for uh, for Eldritch Moon. You were like, well, you could just donate a demonic pack, right? Yeah. Like, that was, I mean, obviously everyone thought that. But, well, this you know. is such a more elegant implementation than I would have had. Like, his inclusion of all of those the oaths? oaths was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I would have hit on that myself. Well, so, so he said, when I interviewed him at the GP, that he built the deck, like, the day Harmless Offering was previewed. Yeah. He was like, okay, this is what I want to do. But he thought it was a joke, right? He's like, every time a new set comes out, I build my pet deck. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, build my pet deck, and then until the metagame sort of puts forth what the champion will be, and then I play that. But he built this deck, and he's just like, this is just really good. And he kept working on it. And so, like, you know, and learning how to play it, and, like, you know, right, adding the oaths so he could protect himself from Jamoka's command. Uh and then, like, even just, like, sequences where he's just like, okay, so against the Emerald... Like, you don't want to play this... You don't want to leave a Pact in play for an Emerald player. Yeah. Right? So he's like, two two modes to go, you start giving that giving that shit away. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, no, you don't you don't wait for it to be a fully grown cat. You give it away still in the awkward teenage years. Oh, that's interesting. And then he's like, and often what you have to do is you have to sequence it so that the last mode that they get to use before they die is discard target opponent discards two cards because sometimes you'll have two ways to deal with a demonic pact in hand oh my gosh and he's like so you need to get the turn he's just like totally john finkel this deck right like i understand every aspect of this yeah but but at the same time like is the, that kai booting one of them is i know everything about how to play my deck and the other one is i know how to play my deck optimally against my opponent one is the kai Bude, one is the john finkel I feel like I've gotten that. I, that might be the Kai Bude. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he, he, like, had just, like, everything was there for a very specific reason. But I don't I don't know that he would have gotten out of the tournament. This coffee is so good. It's really good. I don't know that he would have gotten out of the tournament with the same result with, like, a week's forewarning for people. Like, yeah. people just didn't know how to play the deck. Like, Travis Wu made a big misplay against him. Other people... Well, that deck seems like it would never lose to Travis's deck, though. I mean, Travis has, like, all of two Anguish Sun Makings interact. Well, and he had one of them in his hand, and he waited until it was too oh. late to use it. Because he never played Moto. <laughs> you learn that one pretty quick. Well, he, you know what it is? He just didn't realize that you couldn't kill it. He never, probably never yeah. played against the Monocac. No, I mean, as soon as that card came out, I just played it on Moto a ton. So I know all of the when-you're-gonna-die type things. Uh... Up, up. I think that that is that deck a real. But here's the that's the, my question: Do you think that deck is going to be a real deck going forward? Because a lot of people have dismissed it like a joke it. this week. But they also did play. that to donate Necrodonate when Necrodonate came out. People were like, "Well, this isn't a real deck." I mean, like, I, I made a tried to make a deck anyway that was uh, harmless offering demonic pact and then also fevered visions because I thought those guys would all protect each other. Sure. You know? That didn't work out. No. <laughs> um, it turns out, like, the discarding stuff uh, uh, with Demonic Pack doesn't really work that well yeah, when you're yeah. giving them cards. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that didn't work out. Uh, I think it's probably people will continue to play it for the, the entirety that those cards are legal. Maybe it won't be the most popular deck. I do think that his deck had a very, very fundamental design flaw. 
uh, that was a resolvable design flaw that I think he just missed. Which is? He only has two Lilianas in his main deck. It's also a bad Liliana deck. No, but it could be a great Liliana deck sometimes by just having Liliana. I think that that deck wants to have four Lilianas after sideboarding for when it plays against Team Urge. Because Team Urge is so bad at putting pressure on Liliana. Interesting. So you just actually just want to have a Liliana in your opening hand. Cast it, and then you could just grasp of darkness like all their Pilgrim's <laughs> eyes. Like, they can't get rid of the Liliana before it goes right. ultimate. They and won't you, be I mean, able to yeah, kill you. And you have you. Languishes, and yeah. you have Radiant Flames, and you could just Radiant Flames. It is the easiest thing in the world three. to defend a Liliana from Team Urge, right? Like, I'm not talking about defending a Liliana from... I mean, I was actually going to say, like, White Weenie, but Liliana does a heck of a job defending herself against White Weenie, right? Like, I'm... You know, like, green-white humans probably... Look, you know what? We're not even anywhere near the motorcycle, but we'll just bring, like... What is this, like a, a gas truck? Yeah, yeah. It's just like an oil truck so, with a with a faulty pump. Point being, like, I think that's that's the one thing. I'd like, I would like to have four Lilianas after sideboarding. Just because, like... Because Team Merge was, like, the big deck coming out of the, the other tournament. I mean, it's a... It's hard to be that bad of a Liliana deck. Like, the, the presence of Liliana at all completely invalidates, like, two or three of the what would be really good strategies, right? Like, people play blue-red Thermo Alchemist instead of blue-red Rattle Chains right now, right? I guess Thermo Alchemist dies to Liliana just well. Yeah. I feel like the Rattle Chains deck should be awesome, though. People don't play it because of Liliana. Yeah. But the funny thing is, the rattle cha the, the ones with rattle chains are the only ones that have some game against Liliana because you could be like, end of turn two, you know, you know, play something. When I say rattle chains, I mean like just all the. the yeah, two I know, but you could be like, you could be like flyer, on turn two, they take their turn two. On your turn three, you pass. They're like Liliana minus your guy, and then you're like rattle chains, and then you get to untap and deal four to Liliana. Well, the one guy who's back is, uh, what's that guy's like blue-red for a 1-3? Storm Chaser yeah. Mage. That guy, he seemed better to me than like the two ones anyway, kind of. Yeah. But he doesn't have like that much of the cuteness that some of them have. Yeah. But that guy seems real powerful. I, I mean, like, he, won, he, he finished, what, second at the GP or top four at the GP in, in Italy? So, um, my Blohan is just like, he's on the typical, I just won the Pro Tour run, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. This will take a while to run off, right? <laughs> uh... I mean, by the way, he finished ninth at the last Pro Tour. Is he, is he real good? Yeah, he's really good. He was platinum before he got to the Pro Tour this this last stop. Hit the, he was like on 51 Pro Points this season. So, Luis We got, should just walk All right. This. Aaron Murnaka probably already yeah, turned this off. off. <laughs> Does he turn it off? If it gets he doesn't like, he doesn't like the audio quality yeah, issues. Now he misses his shout-out. Well, I just shouted at Aaron Marnaka. All right, so I might stay with him in Utah. He offered already. Oh, you're going to offer the RPTQ? Yeah. I said, he's like he's like one of the first people to congratulate me. And I'm like, you guys don't happen to have an RPTQ. He's like, in fact, we do. You want to stay at my place? But I think, like, maybe I should stay at Jack's again because why break it? You know? Oh, <laughs> like, sure. You know? Um, so I don't even know if I'm going to go use it. I... I can't imagine Catherine will permit me to go to Utah again. Like, that's the thing. Because, like, I, I'm already, like, lining up all the tournaments I'm going to play in. I'm like, oh, WMCQ. Like, what if I qualify, right? That's a, that's a World Championship weekend. Yeah. Did I tell you what she said when it was, when it was a back-to-back -back weekend? When it was a back-to-back -to -back tournament? Because, like, the second tournament was, like, limited availability or whatever. It was yeah. supposed to be in 
Montessi Queens. She's like, you should just register now. And it was like 30 bucks on the internet. And I'm like, what if I win on Saturday? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> like, left the room. Now, what were you saying? I'm just picturing Owen's reaction to your son, you know, one of your more outlandish magic theories yeah. as you're, you know, in the final stages of preparing for the World Magic Cup in Rotterdam. Yeah. Well, you know, um, so, uh, I was like trying to, I was like giving John a hard time a few weeks ago because he's still, I, well, he probably has lost them at this point because it's been 15 years. The Russian imports? The Russian imports. Well, how did you know that's what I was going to say? Because I know, I mean, 15 years ago, yeah. something that John has or doesn't have, yeah. Russian imports. Yeah, but so I didn't realize this. Like, regular Russian imports are like pretty expensive, right? Oh, really? They're, they're like $100 or something. Really? John has a set of mine that are Japanese. <laughs> so the, the, because I, I would just go about like Owen, me, outlandish sort of thing. I was in John's room the night before standard portion of Nationals 2001, and we were talking about like sideboard cards, and he wanted to play Slay, right, against Shivan Worm, and I said he should play Tangle instead. And he's like, why? And I'm like, Shivan Worm is so narrow. He's like, but it's big. And I'm like, like, well, what if I was playing Fires against you and I just didn't have Shivan Worm, right? Like, is that in your is that in your calculus of something that might happen? He's like, well, Shivan Worm's like the biggest thing. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, but I'll tell you this: you can't Shivan Worm a Blaster Room when they have the nuts, and you can tangle every single thing that they can do, right? And like, it, it tang- like if you have anything, a tangle is usually a win, right? Uh, because you can, it's easier to get somebody to commit, right? Than to just bank on the fact that they have Shivan Worm. Also. You don't only want to have your sideboard card work when you have your third color of mana and they have five mana, yeah. right? Like, and I just, just, I don't like it. I like Tangle better. And so, so John's like, get out. And I'm like, <laughs> why? He's like mad at me. He's like, get out. And I'm like, why, why do I need to, need to get out? He's like, you are way, making way too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not playing Tangle. So <laughs> he like literally kicked me out of the room. <laughs> How hilarious is that? So, and then Dave came in eighth only because it was Casey, was Casey McCarroll the one that got DQ'd that year? I think so. Yeah. But they didn't let Dave play his match. So, so he was just locked into eighth. No, no play match. But, um, but anyway, yeah, it, the thing that's stinky about Owen doing so well is I was like, oh, I'll just win this WMCQ qualifier, and at which point I'll be qualified for Worlds, right? Because if it's Seth and Owen, right? Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> dun, 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 punchline, I'm qualified for Worlds, right? But then now that Owen took Seth's spot on the yeah. team, then the pass down doesn't work that way anymore. I don't even know who gets it now. <laughs> Probably not me. <laughs> Uh, but what's up? Does Seth still get to play in Worlds? <laughs> Seth, Seth is qualified to play in Worlds from being the world champion and from numerous other... Can you imagine that team? Seth, Owen, and anyone? <laughs> like, anyone. Seth, Owen, and Bella. <laughs> Favorites to win. Uh, Bella gets the red deck. So, uh... Alright, so, it's a serious question. Yeah? Team Urge or Jundelarium? I mean, I think all-in power level, Jundelirium. Best deck to play, Jundelirium. Yeah. Two, three reasons. Number one, 
the power level difference between Team Merge and Jun Delirium is only Elder Deep Fiend versus... Yeah, it really comes yeah. down to Elder Deep Fiend versus Descended Mindbender. Descended Mindbender is fantastic. It's... And I don't think people even realize what its primary failing is. It's just that it doesn't have a sixth point of toughness. Right. That's the only reason, I think. Like, Elder Deep Fiend is better. It's not that much better. But, it, but in a room full of, like, grindy decks, like, just getting two cards out of your opponent's hand is so brutal. I mean, if there's a deck to invalidate Band Company, this is it, right? It's just like Band Company is so poor at interacting with like random, let's just go over here, random like Pilgrim's Eyes and, you know, Nisses or whatever. It's really bad at that. And like, it's so hyper vulnerable because like, like I, I can't imagine, like the Band Company decks would be so happy when they spell Queller the Languish. And then like, the other deck just waits until it's just super juicy and they just like fiery impulse the spell queller, yeah. languish during combat. I mean like they're they're uh, they probably could have set them up with the not whatever's the black elder deep fiend's name is. I was just They could just mind bender them first, make sure that they don't have something back, and then just like or like what if they get spell let's say you go like distended mind bender, they go spell queller, and you're like, okay. I don't know if you know how this works, you know, like, and then they're like, all right, take your thing, uh, take your thing anyway. And then they have two spell quellers in play and they're just like, Bleh. and then you're like, fiery impulse, the one that languish was on, <laughs> like languish all distended mind bender gets recast. Like it's, well, you can't distended, you can't spell quell as distended mind bender. Yeah, I said, I don't know how this works. Oh, <laughs> you're just imagining some world <laughs> where you've allowed your opponent to cheat. <laughs> Guess what? You can you can spell call my distended mind bender. I said your face. I was like, yeah. I don't know if you know how this works, <laughs> but all laughing. Uh, and then it doesn't even need a sixth toughness because language is only four. Yeah, I think that deck is just spectacular. By the way, that's where you know we were talking about bad Liliana decks. That's where that Liliana is good in those decks. It's like the fifth point over the top of a language. So. <clears throat> These are the things I think about it. Like, so, Mindbender is not that much worse than Elder Deep. It's worse. It's not that much worse. But, like... You just don't get to that stage of the game where you can just lock your opponent out with multiple turns. Well, you just lock them out with... You just lock them out with Mindbenders instead. Like, if you just cast, like, three Mindbenders, your opponent has no hand. But no one's... I haven't really seen people play more than two Mindbenders. Oh, I, I... I made my own Jundelirium deck before this tournament. Yeah. And I just, like, played four. <laughs> I'm like... Just chained them off of each other like you would normally. So when like, your opponent's like debating whether or not they should kill the Pilgrim's Eye or the Nissa, you're just like, yeah, you should definitely kill it. I play four. I absolutely 100% have it. Yeah. So like you just you know mess them up good, uh, and then like you know they're just playing off the top. Yeah. Um, but the, the so that's one, the combination of languish and red removal, like you know, kind of like. Harmona, harmoniously like interwoven with uh, with Kozilek's return is amazing, but the real reason that it's better than Team Merge, the real reason is you can actually activate your Ishkana. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's weird to me how good Ishkana is in these decks that can't activate it. But have you ever been in a situation? You know, Ishkana is just a two-turn clock. Yeah. Yep. Right. He's just like. Three plus here's some guys. That's six. So six plus four is ten. It's so frustrating to me that a decks can't activate it, or that b they never activate it. Like you know, we've only seen implied activations. Yeah. 
You know, we're like, yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, okay, yeah, you got it. <laughs> it's it's like, like literally a two-turn clock by itself, and yeah. like, it, it, it's weird to me that the, the card's been so effective in situations where it they can't even activate. Yeah, yeah. So I think Jundelirium is just off the hook. Great. Um, if I, I, but that's probably not the deck I would play myself. Even though I think it'd probably best deck to play, I'd probably play. Um, I'd probably try to tune a blue-red deck. Yeah. Like burning people. Yeah. Uh, like I think, I think that's a dimension you can play on because the the defensive capabilities of these like mid range and like mid range type ramp decks are such that they're they can be pretty good at gumming up the board. They can be pretty good at interacting with planeswalkers. They can be pretty good at interacting with small creatures. But none of them are good at interacting with burn spells. Yeah. So right, at least right now, right? So you know, we'll get to a point where people are all like mono pulse of Marasa. That, well, that's well, a different universe. The the winning jungle Aaron list had two pulses. Oh, that guy had like every kind of regrowth, right? <laughs> he had Den Protector, he had Grapple with the Pest, and he had Pulse of Marasa. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I'm talking about decks where like it might be a usual looking thing some some point from now, where you'll just see black green based decks that have three Pulse of Marasa main. By the way, has anyone's day in the sun been briefer than Grimflyer? Now we know why he's so grim. Like no one gets. No one gets. Yeah, well, like in one week. No one. What's, no one in, what's the name of it? Like, like bloated maw or whatever. What's this? The, the abundant maw. Is that the one that's the siege rhino? Your maw is so fat. Yeah. I could totally see a black green based delirium deck, probably splashing for red, but maybe not. That was just like, like eight to twelve card advantage catalyst guys, right? Yeah. Like, uh, pilgrim's eyes and and druids and nissas and. Maybe that guy who, like, makes a 3-2. I don't know. Like, a bunch of these yeah. guys. And then, like, eight black um, black Emerge guys, including including that guy. And then just three Pulse of Marasa, where you're just, like... Because the Maw isn't good in combat, right? Right. You're just, like... But, like, Drain Game 3 is a big game. Fight, Trade, Rebuy is actually, like, a disgusting game. Yeah, yeah. How about we go with, with Red not just for... Not just for uh, Kozlek's return, but sideboard Grixis Cat, or in this case, Jund Cat. <laughs> You're already black, right? You could have like eight drains, three Pulse of Marasa, and then like you already have red. You could just like, you just sw- literally after sideboard, like sideboard into Jund Cat. Yeah, you just donate your Mind Rack Demon while their graveyard's empty. Yeah, no. I wouldn't game with Mind Rack <laughs> Demon. But uh, I, I, I think that, oh, yeah, that's a failing. It's like, I wouldn't play that card. It's just too fancy. And this is not good. Never stuff a freaking flying around. Who cares? Yeah. Like it's just—it's a small game. That's a problem. Yeah. Like, like you're you're at the point where like all right at fours it's pretty good, but is it really like I the like people I like fours I like strong. the eight emerge deck oh, that I just said. Yeah, I like that. A lot. I actually like you just have four grapple with the past and like multiple pulse of crosses. Yeah. Then like one emerical, one traverse, or I'm sorry, four traverse, one yeah. emerical. Then like um, like like seven I, seven rebuys. Every, every time, I mean, obviously, I understand some decks are not four traverse decks. Yeah. But every time I look at a deck that should have four traverse, I just feel like it's. How like, about the decks that don't feel, have any traverse? I feel like the the double demonic consultation decks after PT one. Like I mean, like Owen's deck, I was just like, why doesn't he have any traverse? Like I'd rather have traverse than a lot of these cards. Maybe I'm wrong, but like the first thing I did was take like the emerge deck list and just add traverse that didn't have it. It seemed like so much stronger. Even if you just traverse on turn one Remember when we were wondering if Vessel of Decency was going to see play? You weren't wondering. I, I was, was like... I like it, but yeah. yeah, it's kind of, you know... But we saw that guy playing with it actually at uh, at Aether Game Cafe in that standard yeah. event he was playing. 
Mind Ra- He was playing like the Black Green Delirium deck. Oh, I played him. Without right? any of the good payoffs. Yeah. He was getting ready for Grim. So Grim Flayer, I think, is like the Gris great guy who I guess this is never going to see play again. Right? <laughs> the problem is the Delirium decks really want to play with. Uh, He's just no self an advocate. Well, they want to play with Languish and Kozilek's return. And that guy dies to every version of everything, right? Like, even when he's big, he dies to language. When he's small, he dies to Kozilek's return. He's just not... I mean, like, Sylvan Advocate, when he's small, he lives through Kozilek's return. When he's big, he lives through language. Like, there's just so much yeah. more flexibility. Um, yeah, but you, you like my, my eight emerge. I, I want think. that. I want, yeah. I'm going to build that deck tonight and play it on I think, Magic I think, Online. I think that's... And I think, like, sideboarding into Duncat is, like... Because, like, every time you win the first game, you just Duncat their face. Although you can't really find... Them the parts like you actually maybe you can do you, then you could you play with dark petition i guess you're already set up for delirium so you're probably going to have spell mastery yeah i like that like original black green delirium deck which just had like four planeswalkers they were liliana's four instants they were grasp darkness <laughs> four sorceries ruinous path like just had like one of each kind of thing and then like some good guys did you see that deck it was like the first one it's like 24 land. It was like... like <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Was this set from the Pro Tour? No, it was a, it was a, a top okay, eight of Star City oh, Open okay. the week before, but it was yeah. just like... It was literally... Just like, God bless it. It was just like... Just, a, just an four old 4 by four. It's like four dead weight, four, four Grasp of Darkness, four Ruinous Path. Like, uh, it had like... A, a, uh, was it playing any of the... Four Hanger Back Walker. But it wasn't playing like Grapple with the Path? No. It Not was, playing Vessel and Ace and It C. was just like, no, it's enchantment was like, dead w- was dead weight. But it's just like, for one, like one sp- I pick, this is what, I'm picking Liliana. Liliana's my plane walker. It was just like four of, and then like Grim Flares and a couple other guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought that deck was really cool. But I mean, it's obviously not the er version of the deck. I think that, like, what do you like better? Do you like the uh, Andrew Brown version of uh, Team Merge Better or the Pantheon version of Team Merge Better? So Andrew Brown purports to be the greatest Filipino-American player. Is that is that what he's saying? <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I think I think I think that's what he's purporting that's to be. A, sounds like a throwdown. Well, what does it's that like mean? You, I have to you, throw back? <laughs> no, it's just like you have to like you know. It's like you know the show Beat Bobby Flay. Yeah. You got to do Beat Michael J. That's not hard. Well, any random kid at F and M can do that apparently. <laughs> yeah, but M and is just like oh, yeah, I'm the greatest Filipino-American player. <laughs> Um, don't make uh, who, who's, don't make Oscar Tan come out of retirement. Oscar Tan. Do you, do you remember like there was like a forty article long thread about whether you could keep your cards at a pre-release or not? No. It was, I mean, it was just like it was this famously stupid thread, and but and then it turns out years later we went back and looked at it. It was Oscar Tan just not knowing the rules. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, TV. Yeah. What have what you been watching? Nothing. Nothing? I, I've been watching Suits. I watched Suits because I wasn't ready for Mr. Robot yet. I'm watching, like, I, I watch a medium amount, a little I'm going to watch Robot. Mr. Robot this weekend, I think. I, I, I'll catch up. I want a little Mr. Robot. I want to watch Stranger Things. I haven't watched that yet, but people keep saying I have to watch it. Sh- Stranger Things is you know what I'm really good. Up on? It's not, I don't think it's as great as everyone I, makes it out I to went me. to San Francisco a few weeks ago. Flying back, I watched a bunch of... The Magicians from Sci-Fi. Woo! 
Man of Steel thinks it's like the greatest books ever, but not good show, maybe. Yeah. And then and Legends of Tomorrow. So I actually I'm almost done with Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow does pick up some towards the end. Wait, so this is what I didn't appreciate. I guess this is just like the biggest nudge nudge wink wink to people who aren't not like who are bigger nerds than me apparently. Yeah. So Captain Cold and Heatwave are just the brothers from Prison Break, right? Yeah. That's the, the thing, and that's why they cast them that way? I think so, yeah. I never saw Prison Break, but apparently it was a pretty good show. No, it wasn't. I heard it was good. It was terrible. How do you know? Because I watched three episodes and clawed my eyes out. All right, so, well, so you're like the one of the professors of the magicians. <laughs> His eyes clawed <laughs> out. But, yeah, so I guess that's the nudge nudge wing. I didn't realize. So I, I, I think I missed one episode off of Hulu, and it's rotated off now. Okay. And then, but then, like, I read all the summaries on 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 Wikipedia because you ruined the end of the se- uh, season for me anyway, Sorry. right? But like, speaking of suits, <laughs> but so cold becomes good, and then like he becomes bad. Is that what happens? Sort of. But like, Heatwave because becomes is is I guess always bad, and then they reform him. Is that the thing? He becomes Kronos the Hunter. Well, but then they reform him to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. But cold, where I am, is like just full on good, right? Like, he's just like, I'm all in on saving the universe. Yeah. Right? But you don't have to be good to save the universe. Well, the, those guys joined the team because they wanted to rob every era. Right? Yeah. They're like, why do you want to join? Because, you know, there's a lot of heists we can run in every era. This is very loosely loosely organized from a time travel perspective. Like, if you're Rip Hunter, you're just like, oh, yeah, you guys could just rob any era you want. Right? Like, you can't really do that. That's not really, that's not really permissible. You know? Rip Hunter's boss from the old TV show probably... <laughs> probably would have frowned on that. Have you watched uh, Brain Dead? No. Brain it's Good Wife Creators. Yeah. And it is... Well, I guess Good Wife Creators are also alien creators, right? So. <laughs> it is the weirdest show on TV. So every week, yeah. you know, like the previously on Brain Dead yeah. kind of thing, is a original song. When you say... It's, what is it about? It's, it's about, like, being in the Senate or something, right? It is yeah. about... And spoilers if you haven't seen it. You yeah. really do want to turn this off if you want to preserve it. It is about alien bugs from outer space that eat half the brain of people and make them into, like, extreme left-wing or right-wing politicians and pit them against each other so that everyone's too distracted and they can conquer the world. That's what the show is about. When is that revealed? Eh, sort of midway through the season. Well, so you ruined the like, first seven episodes. So I have CBS On Demand. I have that because Catherine watches like Infinite Big Brother. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we have that. So I guess I could go back. Is it worth me watching it? It's really good. Yeah? It's really good. So the, It's going to get canceled for sure. The ones I watch are, I watch... Did you watch Half and Leonard? Jericho I did watch Half was and it good? It was, it was okay. It wasn't as good as the material. So it I was wa- good, but so it wasn't great. I watched some Suits. I think actually I'm more or less caught up on Suits. The Suits characters are kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Right? They're like, they, I think that show used to make a lot of internal logical sense. And it makes no, no sense. Anymore. Just, no. Like, are they, like, are they, are they rich or are they not rich? Are they rich? Like, it seems like they're poor, but they all have $20 million to throw on if need be. They're rich, but they're cash strapped. Yeah. How's that? They're rich, but cash strapped. Like, they're not liquid. And I'm Mike. I'm like an ex-drug dealer, ex-like lawyer fraud, but I'm really worried about taking care of like the one guy in prison who's like was yeah. nice to me. I would just if I. I mean, I'm not. I don't know how loyal I would be in real life in what situation. But I'm. If I were that guy, I mean, the knife would be in his back before you finish asking me the question. Uh, you know, raise all ghoul. 
part two. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Damien Dark? Damien Dark. Also the villain from Justified, whose name I can't remember. Yeah. The actor, yeah, Neil McDonough. He, he's weird. He also plays Dum 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 Dugan. He does, yeah. In uh, the Captain Americas. He's he he only plays like these really weird characters. I think. Yeah. Is he blonde in real life? That's his real. That's really, really? what he looks like. Yeah. He's super Christian. Really? Yeah, super Christian. But he plays like sexual deviants a lot. Yeah. I've found. Yeah, but he's super Christian. I don't know. He so it's really a stretch for him. Yeah. So, yeah, that's weird. I just watched season three of Peaky Blinders. I haven't seen any Peaky Blinders. You told me you liked it. Yeah. I want to see Stranger Things. I haven't watched that yet. I watched like old episodes of Legends of Korra that I've seen a bunch. <laughs> I watched select episodes so, of Legends of Korra. So while, while I was on the road, I watched the first two seasons of Justice League. Oh, we Hold can on. talk about your stupid opinion. <laughs> first of all, do you have Hulu Plus? I don't. I might, get, I might like, have it. My wife might have it. Yeah, Hulu, my wife might can, have it. But you can get, like, you can watch Ben 10. I, I guess I it's cute, okay? Yeah. I didn't start on Ben 10. I started on Ben 10 Alien Force, which is the sequel to Ben 10. Ben 10 is by the Man of Action guys, right? So, like, Joe Casey, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I think, like, Duncan Rulo, probably. All these guys who used to, who, like, used to be, like, Marvel Comics guys before you could get rich being a Marvel Comics yeah, yeah. guy. And then they were like, screw this, we're, like, really creative. Why should we, like, make pennies? And said they, so they made, like, the biggest licensing thing ever with Ben 10, which is basically they stole Dial H for Hero and sold it to the same company that owns Dial H for Hero. Because Cartoon Network and DC Comics are both owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah. So, lol. But they did it. But the second se- the sequel series is called Ben 10 Alien Force, which is they took Ben 10... And he's, Green Lantern Corps. He's no longer 10. He's now Ben 14, basically, or Ben 16, right? He's like six years. So he tells slightly more interesting stories that involve riding around in cars and kissing because he's a little bit older. And they gave it to Dwayne McDuffie, okay? Just watch the first three episodes okay. of Ben 10 Alien Force. Okay. You won't look away for the next 24 okay. episodes. I mean, all the Dwayne McDuffie... I, mean, I didn't I, know anything about yeah. this property at all, and I just watched it. I was just like, what the... And it's beautifully done, like... It's like they got, like, all of, like, Bruce Timm's apprentices to draw it. So Dwayne, Dwayne and I were friends. Yeah. We actually were business partners on a, on a project uh, post his time at Milestone. But uh, so, but I'd never watched Justice Bane League. Bane McDuffie, he, like, invented static and hardware and, like, all those Milestone characters, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, even characters who are from, even characters who are from uh, Young Justice, like Icon and Rocket, he invented those characters. Yeah, they were Milestone, yeah. those were Milestone characters originally also. All right, so... Did you watch all of Justice League Unlimited? Or you only so, watched I wa- so I watched all of Justice League seasons one and two. Okay. And there's... I've seen every episode. Some ridiculous... First of all, the World War II storyline with Vandal Savage is fantastic. Once in, fu- once in Future Thing? No, no, that's... Oh, oh, that's World Justice at War. League, yeah, yeah, yeah. The World at War. This is one... I, I love all the old DC War comics. Yeah. So seeing, you know, seeing all those characters... Yeah. ...get their opportunity... Like the Black Condors and like yeah, I don't really care about those characters, so maybe yeah, there's other uh, Sergeant Rock and like, but did you like like the, the episode that they have like the fake version of the Justice Society? The, the right, yes, the Justice Lords. Yeah, that one's great. Oh well, the Justice Lords is phenomenal. Right. Uh, also, that's that season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, all, I also the the whole storyline. Justice with, Lords is basically like Injustice before there was Injustice. Yeah, and basically the whole story. With, you know that both Justice Lords and Injustice universes are recognized fifty-two universes. Actually. Oh really? Yeah. 
uh, uh, also all the whole Hawkgirl storyline ends up being. You mean Starcrossed? The three. Starcrossed. Of- yeah. All right. So this is what I'd say. Starcrossed is great. The single greatest moment in the original Justice League cartoon is in Starcrossed. I think it's in episode two when they're on the run. It's a three-part episode, right? Yeah. Episode two, they're on the run, and they're like, "All right, we need to like blue blah blah blah." And then, and then one of them's like, "Well, you don't know our secret identities." And Batman looks yeah, up, yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and he goes, "He goes, Wally West, Diana Prince, <laughs> Clark Kent." He's just like, "Let's go!" He, right? And then he goes, and points to himself, yeah. and he's like, "Bruce Wayne." Yeah, and, it, it, and like, there's just this moment you're like, "Don't fuck with the bat," right? Batman, Batman's great in 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 both shows, um, and that's then, just the greatest moment. Yeah, though. yeah, that, and uh, also the storyline where. The, the two-parter where Superman gets thrown into the future. Yeah. Oh, and he's like friends with Vandal Savage. And he's friends with Vandal Savage. That's better than, like, that was great. That, that was just like... It's very good. It's like the best treatment of Superman outside of, like, a handful of Alan Moore comics. By a handful of Alan Moore comics, you mean a single one episode Alan Moore comics. Uh, he also gets uh, the the two-parter he did before... Do you, you ever Superman. read Supreme? I haven't read Supreme. I really? have the Supremes though. I'll, I'll. I need to read those. Um, so, but uh, anyway, but so, so I loved. Did Justice I give them League. to you? Or you might have given. I might have yours. They're like the greatest thing. So Justice League is great. The first few episodes of Justice League Unlimited are uneven, but it gets much better as it yeah, goes I mean, along. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so here, Stranger, it, Stranger, one, uh, whatever it was. The Stranger Thing, the one where they go into the old West, the time travel. Oh, the Once a Future Thing. Once a Future Thing. Where they were when they're with Batman Beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty good. All right, so uh, two things. When you read Supreme, which you should, keep in mind this was in 1995. Sure. Comics is this is 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like at the time that he was doing this, you're just like, oh shoot, here are all the ideas he didn't get finished with with Miracle Man. These are really good ideas. It's actually pushing the boundaries of the genre at this point. But it's it's trite now because he did it 20 years ago. Um, but so just keep that in mind. It's not at, if you were reading it when it came out, you've been like, this is mind blowing. Sure. But now you're reading it, you're like, oh, this is comics, right? Uh, let's see. Let me think. Uh, yeah, I I liked a lot of Justice League. I think Justice League Unlimited is better for a couple of reasons. Number one, like the whole long, long like end of I think season two of Justice League Unlimited, where like. The, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm still in season one. Oh, we well, don't even know any of this stuff. Then don't tell me. I'm gonna get there. I'm, I'm plowing through it. I watch like, I watch it in the mornings. And then the last episode, Destroyer, is just unbelievable. Okay. It's like I believe you. I mean, it's getting great. So, it, it's it's uneven, but so, it, the cast is so big. So they. I think they do such a good job with the question. Do you have very many episodes with the question? I have one episode with the question. It was great. All right. So the episodes with the question the and the Huntress in- are so good. I okay. like them. I love the. I do like the episode where Batman's like, he's like, I'm really interested in what's going on there. I'm gonna have the question look into it. Now all the other heroes are like, oh no, not the question. Because the question they just write the question as Rorschach yeah. on on uh, on on well, Justice League. You understand that Rorschach, Rorschach is, the, is, the, qu- question, is the question. That's why it's funny to yeah. make the question into Rorschach. But the question isn't deranged. So, so for people right? who don't know, just we're talking about Al Moore. When Al Moore wrote Watchmen, all the characters in Watchmen are analogs. For the Charleston characters. Actually, DC acquired the rights to the Charleston characters. Alan Moore did a pitch for it, and then they're like, we can't possibly do this. We just acquired all these classic characters. You can't make a comic about how they're all raping each other and committing (laughs) war crimes. And then some other editor was like, except this is the greatest comic anyone's ever read. So tell you what, we'll still publish it, but we just won't use 
Captain Adam's name. And the right. question, instead we'll call them Rorschach and yeah. Night Owl, and you know, so. Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's like instead of Blue Beetle, it's Night Owl. Um, yeah, so you, you, when you're, you haven't even seen Destroyer. All right, all right, I'm not there yet. I've watched about like 18 episodes of Unlimited. Yeah, so Unlimited is, I th guess it's on. I just, I just got past the, the first Black Canary, Oliver Queen, uh, Wildcat episode. Yeah, there's two or three of them. Oh, you haven't seen like the the Girl Fight Club episode? No. That was Bella's favorite episode. Of course it is. It's just a Girl Fight Club. Okay. Yeah, All so. Right. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good, like just single, like self-contained stories. Yeah, yeah they, do a, they do a great job. And like the, I mean, like he was in charge of this show too. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, yeah, he how was have, story. How did he have time for this? He, he was writing Justice League, and then he had the Justice League cartoon, and he was in charge of Ben 10 for like 10 years. Yeah. Do you have like 12 jobs? Yeah. Yeah, he's he was, doing other stuff too. Yeah, right? yeah, he's, he's uh, I mean, it's just just tremendous. I mean, just tremendous stuff there. I mean, it's like, it's like, four in that it's like everything I wanted in a cartoon when I was a kid. Like, like meaningful continuity from episode to episode, but you could watch any episode on its own. You know, like developing relationships between characters. Um, this, the relationship between Huntress and Question is insane. Like, uh, I can't wait. All right, I, yeah, I haven't. I mean, I'm, I've only gotten as far as Batman and Wonder Woman and uh, and Zatanna. Hawk and, and her, yeah, and Hawk Girl. Well, and you know, there's that one episode which is just the Defenders. Have you seen that episode yet? Oh, we're, you we're it out. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like the android. No. Hawk Girl. It's it's. Doctor Fate. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, so it's it's like it's like why are all these characters who aren't on this show in this episode? It doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's the Defenders. It's yeah, a yeah, joke, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's supposed to be Hulk, Doctor Strange, Namor, and uh, yeah. So it's like it's like Aquaman is like for whatever reason Aquaman never joined the Justice League in the cartoon, right? Yeah. But it's like Aquaman, Doctor Fate, Hawk Girl, and Fate. Ivo's Android, who's and, the Vision, and uh, and uh, no, no, and who's Wonder Man? Oh, they fight. They're fighting Solomon Grundy. Yeah, it's, yeah. who's the Hulk? Who's the Hulk? Yeah. Right. So. So I was just like, oh man, this is, this is great. And it's about how like, whatever, like the Cthulhu God gave them agriculture. And yeah, yeah I just, it's just like, it's weird that they could get like a big company like WB to like green light this thing, this episode, which is just a joke that contains all characters that aren't on their show. It's, and the show, the show is pretty dark. Like they do a lot of murdering off camera. Well, did you see the one where, uh, where a dead man takes control of Batman? No, not yet. Batman is not happy with Deadman. Deadman's the episode. probably one of my favorite all-time DC characters. Yeah, well, Batman's not happy with Deadman at the end yeah. of the episode. Uh, yo, I mean, see, you haven't seen... All right, all right. Like, I, Panic in the Sky? Oh, no, my God. All right, I'll, I'm going to watch them all. So, so, the, so let me ask you a question. So it seems like there's a lot of stuff. So are there placeholders in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited where I'm supposed to have watched animated movies? No. Oh, really? Because I feel like they refer to stuff that's happened. They refer to stuff that's happened on the other show. They do. They or, do. But I feel like they've also referred Batman. to some stuff that... Oh, well, tell maybe. me. So, I don't remember well, now. Both of these shows are sequels to Batman and Superman Adventures, right? Right. So, um, let me think for a second. Uh, like, there's a lot of stuff that's an analogous. So, like, you wouldn't get it unless you had seen Challenge of the Super Friends 30 years ago. Right. But you've seen Challenge of the Super Friends, right? Yeah. Right, like Legion of the Doom and Swamp, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like Zan and Jace. Right? Yeah. So, um, so if you've seen those things, it's okay. You'll get it. But like, 
This like the arcs that are going at the end. I think I mean I can't remember if it's the end of season. It must be the end of season two because the end of season one is once a future thing, right? Yeah. End of season two is like, uh, it's like it's a culmination of everything that's gone on for the past two seasons and the first two seasons of Justice League. All right. So, the episode that is both my least favorite and favorite is the same episode. What? It's the episode where Wonder Woman gets turned into a pig. Well, that's one of the yeah. It's because Batman sings. Yeah, it's like the episode itself is terrible, but the end where Batman sings is yeah. somehow awesome. Well, the thing is, like, I thought that they were going to develop some romances either between Batman and Wonder Woman or Batman and Zatanna. Yeah, I think some of the stuff I is love, silly, I mean, like they, they, Bruce walking around a satellite in Batman costume, <laughs> like amongst a bunch of like, like, are they Wayne Corp employees, right? Like, because Wayne Corp paid for the satellite, right? Yeah, yeah. So are they like Wayne Corp employees who are running the satellite? And then Bruce is walking around in his Batman costume when they're just like, you know, vibe and, you know, like, uh, you know, like, vigilante are like, are like sitting in, com- like, in complete, like, cowboy costume yeah, in a cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. some of that stuff is just like well, there's definitely a little a, there's outlandish. definitely a wink to it, but I mean, I, I enjoy that about it, too. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I know the sense of humor that's there for that. Yeah, but I mean, just like the idea that there'd be like a cowboy and vibe in a cafeteria in space, surrounded by Wayne Corp employees. While with, the Flash and Elongated Man play Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Yeah, like, that's like a little, I mean, that's kind of silly, right? Yeah. But, um... All right, different, different question, just changing topics. I still the, like Young Justice better than these shows. I like Young... I've, I've watched... I still haven't watched Young Justice... All of Young Justice Season 2 yet. Oh. But I'm waiting... I'm waiting until I'm done with Justice League Unlimited. Oh, my God. Young Justice Season 2 is so heartbreaking. So... It's repeatedly heartbreaking. Worst... Worst movies you've ever seen in a theater. In the theater? It can't be... Because everything else is easy mode. It's got to be, like, movies you paid, sat down, like... I've got... Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man is there for me. I've never heard of that. I can't. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Highlander 2 is there for me. I didn't see that in the theater. Woo! I was so excited. Of also, course you were. Also, Superman 4 Quest for Peace. Also so excited. I've never seen that at all. Have you really not? No. Oh, man, you should see it. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what's really bad. I, I, I feel like I've seen like, a bad movie, and then I just put it out of my mind. Like, yeah. Batman vs. Superman is nowhere near as the worst movie I've ever seen in the theater, yeah. right? Yeah, I made the list. Several, multiple people have, have put it on their list. What I have a big problem with is a movie called Batman vs. Superman where they where they combat each other for eight minutes in a two-and-a-half-hour movie. That's kind of... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't think Suicide Squad was that bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But it's, it's not a, it's, that bad. It, here's my two-word review of it. Overworked dope. Like, they, they, it's obviously so cut up and so much, like, added into it and so much change. It just had nothing, there was nothing fluid to it. It I, makes I, no sense. I loved Margot Robbie. She was great. Uh, and my kids loved Deadshot. He was great. But, like, most of it, the, the, the conflict of the movie makes no sense. It's like they created the conflict for themselves. First of all, you could just take what's there on screen and resequence it in a way that makes more sense. First of all, the Joker needs to make no appearance in the present timeline of the movie. Like, he can exist entirely in flashback for And then until the last scene. Yeah, he doesn't just, he does not need to be, we don't need that scene. Oh, do you know the underlying uh, thesis of Suicide Squad? No. Don't get in a helicopter. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what. I, that's the only thing I can assume. Everyone who gets into a helicopter and gets up. I actually a loved the treatment of Joker and Harley's relationship in this. Like that. That like 
Harley had fall like that Harleen Quinzel had fallen in love with the Joker, which is the general way that people. Right, it's the mad love story. That, yeah, that people think of Joker and Harley, but then that Joker would have like tortured her and stuff and made her into Harley Quinn instead of her just oh I, I'm just I just going crazy because I love Joker. This is so it's so much it's both like it's. From the perspective of the Joker, it's a beautiful story. And then from the perspective of, like, anyone looking on, it's horrible. And it makes so much sense, like, about, like, Har- Harley as a character makes so much more sense if this is her origin, you know? Sure. I, I loved that about it. Um, yeah, I, I had a couple... I mean, it, it seemed a little... Again, I would rather have just had Harley Quinn... I don't need to have the, the sort of graphic backstory there for her. Well, she's one of my favorite characters ever, yeah. right? I mean, I love her from, like, Bruce Timm days. The way that she's currently treated is amazing. Uh, in, in the comic books, there's a, there's this panel where, like, Joker's going to kill Harley because he's tired of her or whatever. And uh, and she's just like, but I'm, I'm your Harley. You know, you're my Mr. J. And he said, do you really think you were the first Harley? You're not even going to be the last. And then he's going to kill. Is that like, and then you're just like, oh, shoot. That's just how the Joker would be, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I actually... So a lot of people hated Jared Leto. Nice. I thought he's good. I, th- I thought he was actually the closest to the comic book slash Bruce Timm cartoon Joker that we've ever seen. Like, there's a scene where he's, like, in a... Per- like, again, don't think he should have been in the movie, but, like, he's a scene where he's, like, in a purple tuxedo with green hair behind a machine gun out the back of a helicopter. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's, that's the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Joker to me, right? Like, do you, do you ever read the comic where I think it's uh, Keith Giffen and Kevin McGuire when Batman joins Batman joins the Justice League, right? Probably, I don't. And he's on it. he's on the scene with with Scott Free, right? And Scott Free and his wife joined the Justice League also. Big and, and uh, you know, Scott's just like, oh, my wife's gonna do blah blah blah, and and Bruce is basically goes, says to Mr. Miracle, like, he says, like, you let your wife blah blah blah. Your wife, and then like Scott Free looks at me and goes, would put the Joker into the ground. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's big barter, right? Like, uh, you know, she's like the toughest. But it's just, you know, it's kind of this, yeah. this, this interesting. But uh, but yeah, the movie was a mess. Like, what if you just picked the movie up? Do you like Barda and Mr. Miracle and Justice League? I've only seen one episode with them, but I loved it. Yeah. So if you pick up the movie with Flag unloading the prisoners into the prison yard yeah. and saying we're going on a mission and that's the first time and you, you don't need any origins you don't need any origins that's the first time you meet them you kind of hear Amanda Waller in the background but you don't meet her yeah. and then they're like we're going to rescue someone and then and then it's Amanda Waller yeah. and then you get the whole Amanda Waller maybe a little flashback or whatever you need to do with her and then and then you find out that the enchantress or the sorceress or whatever the hell she is is Rick Flagg's girlfriend yeah like I if, think that's stupid. If, but I understand that. But if you do it in that sequence, yeah. it's better. Isn't that better? So isn't that a know. little more? Isn't there and a then little, you have no backstory. And you just don't. You can you can do a little bit of backstory here and there as it comes up. So, but you don't need. This to. This is what I don't like about them. These are the things. Let's all do my top eight things I didn't like about Suicide Squad. Okay. Number one, the thesis of the Suicide Squad is don't get into helicopters. Is what if you know Superman gets on top of the the White House and decides to take the president? We need to have someone to stop him. Tell me how a dude with a gun, a dude with a boomerang, right? Which one of these guys is going to stop I, Superman? I, well, I think Enchantress is the one who is going to stop Superman. Yeah. Because he's vulnerable to magic. But oh, my God. I actually love that guy, El Diablo. I never heard of that character before. That guy was badass by the end. Yeah, he was pretty good. I like that guy a lot. But, I mean, yeah, she's the one who's supposed to stop Superman? I think so. Magic stops Superman, generally. Yes. They don't even. They can't possibly know that. 
But I mean, but really, it's like a, and the other thing that I didn't like about it is Harley is not a traditional member of the Suicide Squad. They just like kind of wrote her into the Suicide yeah. Squad because she's popular. But like, if you have this, like, a, you really want guys like Bronze Tiger, right, in the Suicide well, Squad. Well, my, my my objection was that it's not Mission Impossible. Like, that's what it's Suicide Squad is. Here's this impossible situation. Yeah. And we need X, Y, Z, and. We need seven seconds yeah. to save the world, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, we, we just need to figure this out. And yeah, Bronze Tiger's probably gonna die doing this. We don't care. So like the thing that is that- But it's like Deadshot needs to make one impossible shot to hit a trigger mechanism to unlock a prison that then, you know, Slipknot needs to, I don't know, whatever the hell Slipknot does besides die. Get tricked by Captain Boomerang yeah. into getting killed. Right, like, so, I like Captain Boomerang actually using his boomerangs for reconnaissance. Yeah. Like, I thought, I thought, he was such a throwaway character, because that guy's, like, a pretty big actor. He's, like, in Terminator. He was in, like... Who the, is that? He's He was in Terminator. Is he, that Sam Worthington? No, no. his name is... Uh, I don't know. He, he's very handsome if he does not ma- made up to look like oh. Captain Boomerang. He was in, like, the Divergent movies. Oh, I, get, I don't know. Um, but he, he's, like, a big... I don't know his name. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like in, he's in, like, all the he's, action He's movies. a big guy, who big deal, whose name I don't know. Yeah, but, like... Like, he's just a throwaway, yeah. right? I thought El Diablo, that guy was, Jay Hernandez, yeah. that guy yeah. was awesome. But, you know, if you have, if, let's say you're constructing this team, even if you're going to say, like, all right, Captain Boomerang makes sense to have on this team for whatever reason. What? Why is Harley on this team? She has no special skills. Her special skills, she's a psychiatrist, right? And, like, her, her thing is, like, she's just the Joker's girlfriend, right? And like, like she has other skills, like in the comics, on account of being on account of being Poison Ivy's girlfriend, right? Right. But not on account of just like being some crazy chick that the Joker electric electrocuted or something, right? Like, well, the implication in the movie is that she's gained some powers by being in the vat of. Well, she's like crappier at shooting than Deadshot. She's not super strong. Well, in the comics or in Bruce Timm universe, she has abilities because Ivy like gave her whatever chemical so that. You know, they could make sweet love and not die because Ivy's poisonous, right? right? So she, like, gave her physical enhancements. That's how come Harley's a great acrobat or whatever. Yeah. But okay. um, but she's just, like, a psychiatrist. Like, she's, like, not really a... She's probably the best-looking psychiatrist on the planet, I think. Yeah. But, but you know, I guess, like, the ability to do aerial silks and drink espresso isn't... That's <laughs> That's not Superman stopped in quality, you know, fighting abilities. And, like, they're like, all right, go get your gear. Her gear is a baseball bat. (laughs) Why couldn't they give her the hammer for, like, one scene? Why couldn't she strap the stupid bat on her back and then hit someone just once with the stupid hammer? Why do they just have to show you, tease you with the hammer? Like, you know, she's got... And then, like, it's not practical for her to wear, like, platform sneakers or whatever. It's just... That's something that makes sense to me. Like, it's one thing for them to dress up in, like, their supervillain gear, but she didn't even dress up in a Harley Quinn costume. She just dressed up in, like, you know, hot, slutty-looking clothes, right? It, it, that, But she was still awesome. She's my favorite yeah. part of the movie. Um, like, Deadshot, he was cool. My yeah. kids all think Deadshot would beat Deathstroke. I don't know why. Deathstroke would murder, Deathstroke would destroy Murderoid. Yeah. Deathshot, right? Yeah. Um, oh, man, that'd be cool. Oh, wait, they're both in Arrow, right? Uh, they yeah, they are. Deadshot's kind of I think kind he's of dead, right? Yeah, he's dead, and he's, he's kind of and really he's dead. and he's kind he's of nice. he's kind of crappy compared to Deadshot. I mean, compared to uh, Deathstroke. 
But they just make, like, an arrow. Arrow is just, like, everything that's, like, Batman or Arrow or anyone he's fighting, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, he's fighting against Razor. We'll, we'll make him a master swordsman. I thought he practiced bow and arrow. Agreed. He's a master swordsman. <laughs> <laughs> How did he learn to be a master swordsman? He knows a little bit about magic? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Apparently he's a magician. Yeah, he's just like, oh, oh, well. Yeah, well, when I was drinking with John Constantine. I learned all this magic. Yeah. That's my tattoos, apparently. We haven't mentioned one time that my tattoos have magical abilities for the first four seasons. Yeah. But now that it matters, I can negate, uh, you know, Constantine's apparently going to be a regular on the show this oh, year. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but seriously, on Arrow, like, he's just, whatever skills anyone else has, those are the skills he has, right? Yeah. Like, probably next season will be like, oh, we need to get somewhere quickly. Don't worry, Flash. <laughs> I, too, was hit by a oh. lightning bolt. Totally switching away from Super- the other show, and then we'll probably have to wrap this up yeah. pretty soon. Uh, Animal Kingdom with Ellen Barkin. I have not watched it. It's Is that ten, on TNT? It's ten episodes, TNT, it's done for season one. It's already been renewed, I think. Terrific. It's based on the movie Animal Kingdom, which was really good with Guy Pierce. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, well, you should see that too. Okay. But, um, but yeah, the the two shows that are like off that no one's talking about, Animal Kingdom and Brain Dead. I'm probably gonna write a post about them on Fetchland yeah. this week. I, I want to write. Should I put, write a post about my uh, my not my Naya deck? Yeah, of course. Antonino Derosa asked me to write something up because he wants to play it. You should probably tomorrow. So maybe I should write it fast. Yeah, yeah, you should write it fast. Um, so. All right, cool. All right, well, this has been I guess, he, I guess he's, like, got the fire, right? He almost yeah. made... Yeah, But does he even need to requalify? I don't know. He told me he's playing a PBTQ and wants to understand how to play Naya Burn. So okay. So please write something. So, yeah. But didn't he make, like, one game out of top eight? I don't remember. I don't he know lost where... to Mori in the last round, and then Mori was out in, out in ninth, right? Uh, yes. He probably was top 25. Maybe he's trying to win a flight. I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Or maybe it's for the next... Round. Oh, it's for the next Pro Tour, right? Yeah, 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 I forgot. These yeah, are yeah, Dublin, yeah. not yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Cool. So anyway, this has been Top 8 Magic. You can find me on Twitter at Top 8 Games. Where can they find you, Michael J? You can find me at Fetchland.com. <laughs> also, Five with Floor is on Twitter. And then, uh, and then you know, while you're while you're kind of hanging around on the site, go check out uh, Top 8 Magic Decks to Beat with me and Uncle GCB. You can listen to Michael J with Patrick Chapin on Top Level Top Podcast. Level Podcast. And uh, also, that's it. <laughs> the end. All right. All right. Bye-bye.